morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And that's probably one of my favorite bumpers of all time because uh, if you don't know the context of it, it's a some people exploring a cave that was really discovered in 2009. It's probably one of the largest caves in the world. And nobody knew it was there. They thought they knew there was some kind of cave, but they walk in the mouth of this cave and it's way more than they ever thought. And this whole series we've entitled More, we've talked about how the church is more than we thought and the Bible is more understand we can have more confidence than we ever thought in reading the Bible and we've talked about and today we're going to talk about how when we pray and fast that fasting is more than we thought I'm actually going to talk about fasting today this is a topic that I have not ever done an entire sermon on in over 20 years of doing messages I've mentioned it at different times but I wanted to make sure the reason why I've held back on this I want to make sure I knew something about it that I've actually done some fasting in my life so over the last year, my wife and I, we've done this on a number of occasions, spent days in fasting, multiple days in fasting, and other things, reading about this, studying about this. So I've basically been working on this message for over a year um, so I could understand a little bit about why would fasting be important. And today you're going to see it's all throughout the Bible as an important discipline, but it's more than just not eating. It has a lot to do with seeking God's face. I mean, that's the desire behind it, to understand what God wants us to do with our lives to take him very seriously in prayer. And it's a discipline that can help us. And so it's more than we think. And inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled that, that fasting is more than we think. And because we can skip over some things like that in the Bible and go, yeah, well, I don't know. But what if it's like that cave where it's like, whoa, this is way more than I thought. I think that's going to be your experience today. I hope it is. Let me have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you that your word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice, how we live, how we read your word, how we pray, how to seek your face. And today we're talking about a discipline, Lord, of fasting. I've never done a message on this before. And um, Lord, to be honest, I haven't practiced this for most of my life. And I'd like to get better at it. And so I pray that today you'll speak and move me out of the way. You'll show us some things from scripture, help us understand what fasting is and how to use it to know you better. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, point one in your outline is this, that fasting is more than a diet. Well, fasting is just not eating food. Well, yeah, but there's, it depends on the motive here. Here's the definition we're going to use for today here. Fasting is refraining from food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. Okay, you can, people could not eat for a lot of reasons. They could not eat because they're sick. They could not eat because they want to lose weight. They could not eat because they do some other things. But we're talking about fasting for a spiritual purpose because that's what the context of fasting is inside the Bible over and over again. And so point A under that, fasting creates time. These are a couple of reasons why fasting is important. Fasting creates time in our schedules to pray. I mean, when you have an urgent request and you say, man, I'd like to pray more. I just don't have the time. Where would I find the time? Well, Block out a mealtime. Instead of eating, I'm going to go meet with the Lord. I mean, when the people would call a fast, like in Joel 2, announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies. I mean, in our culture, we uh, don't have any problem when the, we declare a holiday, a time of feasting. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Okay, well, this is about calling a time of fasting and saying, hey, I mean, uh, could we call a time where we're going to specifically seek the Lord? So on my calendar... If I'm, when I, this last year, when I'm spending some time in fasting, I'd block out the lunch. I'd meet other people for appointments for lunch, so I'd have lunch with JC. Jesus Christ, if you couldn't decode that. Okay, anyway, uh, but a lunch with someone, I'm having a lunch, the lunch time. I've got an appointment, and that way if somebody comes up and says, hey, can you meet me for lunch today? No, I've got an appointment. 
I do. Instead of going to lunch and eating food, I'm going to spend some time in prayer and meditating on God's Word and asking God for direction or a host of other issues, and you'll see that. Point B, fasting demonstrates the depth of our desire to seek God. When I fast, I'm saying, hey, God, it's a priority for me to seek you. It's more important than eating. And eating is very important to me. I'm committed to 21 regular meals a week, plus snacks. Okay? I'm committed to eating. But if I said, hey, Lord, this is a priority time. This is more important to me than food. Well, that takes it up a notch. Listen to Daniel 3. So I turned to the Lord God, and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. He was asking the Lord for direction. He had some visions that terrified him. Nehemiah, when he understood the walls were broken down in Jerusalem and, and that the people there were in real trouble because of that, he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord God of heaven. Scheduled the time to say, hey, this is more important to me than eating. i got to pray about this. i got to spend some time with God. i got to seek his face. I mean, fasting isn't something where it's like, oh, I missed breakfast. Well, I might as well call it a fast. That's not what we're talking about at all. This is spending time, seeking time with God, being very sincere and intentional about it. And the word, in the margin, if you'd write the word intentional, I'm going to intentionally spend some extra time with God because this is important to me. I want to seek his face. And that brings us to point C. Fasting says no to our physical appetite so we can say yes to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we are more than physical creatures. We're more than animals just eat whenever we're hungry. We are spiritual beings. And Paul said, look, I buffet my body, I make it my slave, so I won't be disqualified. There are times when we need to say no to our earthly appetites. I mean, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, not my will, but yours be done. So this is saying, hey, I'm not giving in to my appetites. I want what you want. So I'm going to schedule time to seek your face so I can put your desires first. Jesus himself, when he started his ministry, began with a fast. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and for 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry And during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, then tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, and he's quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3 here, People don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus wasn't called into the wilderness to feast. He was called into the wilderness to fast. And it's really interesting, and many people point out in the commentary how the very first temptation that came to Jesus was the very first temptation that came to Adam and Eve to eat something that they weren't supposed to eat. Isn't that something? That's how central our appetites are. And the devil knows that. I mean, it's often been said to women, hey, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Well, the devil knows that. He knows how strong... Our desires are to eat a lot. And to intentionally say no to that is to say no to something that is part of our basic instincts. And say, I'm more than that. I'm a spiritual being, and I'm going to seek God. And so I'm going to say no to a physical appetite so I can say yes to where the Spirit is leading me. Wow, this is already more than I thought. 
It's scheduling time. It's seeking God's face. It's intentionally saying no to something that in itself isn't bad. But I'm saying no. I'm, I'm going to say no to eating because I want to I want self-control in this. I want to focus on the spiritual dimension of my life, not just the physical. I'm committed to the physical all the time. Now, this is something. Now, here's a warning right out of the gate, too. Fasting is not a religious activity that proves how spiritual we are. There's a big danger in this. Jesus, when he was talking about this to his disciples, he said, when you fast, don't make it obvious. And by the way, you can underline in when you fast... That meant that his disciples would fast. It's right in the same line when you give and when you pray. It's in the same section. He expected his disciples to give generously. He expected his disciples to pray, and he expected them to fast. It's in when you pray and when you give and when you fast. It's all in the same line up there. So this isn't something odd. This is something that's important. But he said, when you do it, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, they, lie, they try to look miserable and hungry and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. Oh, wow, how spiritual. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll, reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then no one will notice your fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. This isn't supposed to be a merit badge for suffering. I went without lunch today. My, that hamburger looks good. But I'm spiritual. Okay, that's not it. That's not it. I wish I could eat lunch and be unspiritual like you. Okay, that's not it. The idea is to come before God. People don't even know you're doing this. This is important. And like I said, this was something that my wife and I had some chances to, to experiment with this last year. And it was amazing to me how many times when I would do this, how it brought out to me how I catered to my appetites all the time. And I just have to struggle sometimes to remind myself I am more than just somebody who eats. I'm a child of the king. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And God, this is more important to me right now. Your understanding on, on an issue is more important to me than food. I need you. Hmm. So fasting, uh, first of all, it's more than a diet. Secondly, fasting is more common in the Bible than we realize. I'm going to give you five examples and just run through these here. And I could have given you five or ten more easily. I mean, it's all through the Bible. Once you start looking for it, you'll see it everywhere. Here are five. King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah fasted when they needed God's guidance and help. It's one of the more famous stories of God's deliverance in the Bible. This is from Second uh, Chronicles. Messengers came and told King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. And Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news because he was outflanked and outnumbered and they were closing in fast. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So the people from all the towns in Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. I mean, the king was professing complete dependence on the Lord and saying, God, you've got to help me. And the people fasted and prayed. And while they were doing that, the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to one of the people there that the Lord was going to rescue them. And they just needed to go out and they wouldn't even have to fight. And so when the day of battle came, they marched out. And Jehoshaphat was so confident of the Lord's deliverance that in front of the army, he put a choir and told them, sing. 
He told the people, just believe, don't doubt, trust the Lord. And when the choir began to sing praises to God for their rescue in advance, it said the, the Bible tells us that this coalition of armies, they turned against each other and they slaughtered each other. So that by the time they reached the battlefield, everybody had been, uh, everybody was either defeated or they'd run off. They never even had to lift a finger except carry off the plunder. So when would I fast and pray? Well, if I needed guidance on something. Queen Esther, this is point B, Queen Esther and the Jews in Susa fasted when Esther needed courage. There had a wicked man named Haman had passed an edict that all the Jews in the entire empire should be slaughtered on a certain date. And Esther's uncle, uh, Mordecai, had come to her and said, Esther, you need to speak up on behalf of the Jewish people. You need to do this. You need to go see the king. She was a queen. But according to the laws... At that time, a queen couldn't just appear before a king whenever she wanted. And if she were to go unannounced to the king and petition him and he wasn't in a good mood, he could order her executed. It was literally a capital offense to approach him unannounced. But he said, her uncle said, you've got to do it or else we're all going to die. And so here's the way she responded to his request. She said, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa to fast from me. Don't eat or drink anything for three days or night, three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go see the king. And if I must die, then I must die. They fasted for three days. She went and saw the king, and the king was merciful and invited her in. And she was granted favor. And you can read the rest of the story. It's fascinating how God used her to deliver the people from certain annihilation. Fasting and prayer was for courage. When would I fast and pray? Well, if I need guidance and help, if I ever am afraid and need courage. Point C, the people of Nineveh fasted when they repented of their sin. The prophet Jonah was sent to tell the people of Nineveh to repent because their city was going to be destroyed. If you're familiar with the story of Jonah, Jonah wanted no part of it. He wanted them to be destroyed. He hated these people. And he hoped God would smite them. And I don't use the word smite very often, so anyway, that was kind of interesting. But uh, Jonah ran from the Lord. Uh, God brought him back from, uh, he had sailed off as far in the opposite direction he could go, and it's a tremendous storm. He was thrown overboard, swallowed by a whale, and brought back to shore, and vomited out on the beach. And the Lord of the Lord came to him again and said, go to Nineveh, and this time he went. And so when he went to Nineveh, here's what happened. Jonah shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh, as wicked as they were, believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. In fact, Jesus mentions this in the New Testament and says, the people of Nineveh are going to judge the people that I've been speaking to. After one sermon from a stubborn old prophet who didn't even want to deliver the message, they repented. And fasted and prayed, and you guys won't repent when the Son of Man standing right in front of you. But the point I bring out here today is that these people fasted and prayed when they repented, when they realized they were wrong. What do we do now? If you read it in context, the, these wicked, evil people said, what must we do? And the king gave a, made it a law, fast, all of you. Who knows? Maybe the Lord will be merciful. And because they did that, the Lord spared them. So when would you and I fast? Oh, we could fast and pray 
We realize we've really said something we never should have said. Lord, please give me guidance. I'm seeking God's face. I'm setting aside time so I have extra time to pray, to seek God's face, to deny my physical desires so I can be more in tune with what the Holy Spirit's telling me. How do I fix this? How do I, what do I do, Lord? What must I do? Great time to fast and pray. Point D, the exiles returning from Jerusalem fasted when they needed God's protection. I mean, I'm just showing you examples, and there's many, many more. This is all throughout the Bible. Um, This is from Ezra 8. Ezra had ordered the people after the 70 years of uh, time in Babylon had expired. They were now able to go back home. And so Ezra said this, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us to our children and our goods as we traveled. After all, we told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and we earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. They had 900 miles to travel on foot. It took them at least four months, maybe half a year. Went through dangerous territory, deserts, storms, blistering heat. God protect us. And he heard our prayer. So when would I fast and pray? Well, when I need protection. I'm worried about something. And finally, another example here, a fifth example, is Paul and Barnabas fasted and prayed when they appointed leaders in uh, the various churches, people to leadership positions. Acts 14. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Paul and Barnabas, if you know the book of Acts, when they'd gone out and shared the gospel, many people believed they'd start little churches in every town they went to where they made a return trip to encourage the believers there and to organize the leaders there. And they fasted and prayed that since this was God's church and these were his people, that God would bless them. They knew that every church would do best when spirit-led leaders were there. Godly men. Godly women in, who are influenced in the younger women. Praying for them. So when would I fast and pray? When I have to delegate a task. Now think about this. Just from these five examples, when would it be a good time for you and me to fast and pray? When there's a big issue in my life and I need guidance. When I'm afraid to do something because it's hard or it's the right thing to do and I don't really want to do it. When I've been convicted of sin, I've been wrong, and I need to apologize and I'm not sure how to do that. When I need protection because I've got a big trip or I've got a big presentation or I've got something that I really need God's care over this. When I'm appointing, when I'm delegating a task to someone, Lord, please let them do a good job. Please let me hand this off. These things occur to us all the time. And again, I could give you many, many more. Every time when God's people said, hey, God, I need your help, they would seek his face. They would set aside time. They would seek his face, and they would say, I'm going to deny myself a physical appetite so I can be more in tune with where you're leading me spiritually. This is that serious to me. This is that intentional. What's it the opposite of? It's the opposite of you and me having a prayer before we meal. You know, we do this sometimes with our kids. We'd sit down to dinner, and we'd hold hands and pray before we eat, and then we'd be halfway through a sandwich or something, and somebody would go, we didn't pray. How come we didn't pray tonight? Well, we did. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about something else. Okay, this never happened to anybody else's family. Everybody else is looking at me. Oh, this never happens. 
happens to all of us. Or we can get in the habit of praying before meals or praying certain prayers, praying the Lord's Prayer things, and all of a sudden we're just going through it by rote. Our mind is a million miles away. This is the exact opposite of that. This is saying, no, no. Lord, I am focused on you. And here's another warning, though. Fasting is not a way to earn an answer to prayers or right standing with God. Jesus made this clear, too. Here's another story he told. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee who was a very legalistic, very uh, devout person uh, religiously. And the other was a despised tax collector, a notorious sinner. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Oh, I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. Twice a week, not just once. He's really good. And I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven when he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, the bragger there, the Pharisee, bragging about his great spirituality, thought that if he fasted twice a week, that earned him good standing with God. Please don't think, as I'm encouraging us to spend time, to dedicate time to fast and pray and other things, I'm telling you this is the secret password to the vault of heaven so you'll get exactly what you want, that this is some way to manipulate God into answering your prayers. Hey, just skip lunch, and then God will give you whatever you want. I'm not saying that. I'm also not saying this is a good luck charm, that if you fast for three weeks at the beginning of the year, then the rest of the year is going to be blessed. It may be that in your time of fasting and prayer, God shows you some things you need to change in your life, some very hard things to do, and you're going to be praying for courage because the year ahead won't be smooth. You've been going the wrong way and need to make changes. That may happen. Just like with Esther. God did protect her, but that was the hardest thing she ever had to do. So understand this. This is just about seeking God and his face. It's seeking him, not his stuff. God, I need protection. It's more important for me right now to focus on you and have concentrated time in prayer to you than it is for me to eat. God, I don't want anything to distract me. I'm carving out some meal time so I have additional time to pray. And God, I'm denying a basic appetite of my life because I want to remind myself that I am, first of all, your child, that I'm a spiritual being, and man doesn't live by bread alone. Without you, I can't survive. Now you're talking about Jehoshaphat. Lord, we can't win unless you win the battle. Now we're talking about Paul and Barnabas. Lord, this is your church. These are your leaders. Bless them. We commit them to you. I mean, what if you and I sought the Lord like that? And that brings us to point three. Fasting is more important in growing in our faith than we think. There's an interesting story where Jesus has just revealed who he is to a few of his disciples on the top of a mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. And they came down the mountain. The rest of the disciples had been trying to cast a demon out of a little boy, and they were unable to do it. Matthew 17. It's also in Mark 9. You can read this there too. A man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, saying, 
Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. He's very ill. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cure him. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to him, came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus had given them the authority to do this earlier. And he said to them, Because the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. But this kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. And I used to stumble over that passage all the time and kind of go, why would the demons care if somebody ate lunch? Why would the demons care if somebody had been fasting? And again, looking at it as just some kind of magic trick or some way to manipulate things. Well, when you read this the way it's presented here, and you talk about the things we've been talking about, how it gives you extra time to pray where you can seek God's face sincerely without distractions, where I'm saying no to basic physical desires so I can be more in tune with God's desires through the Holy Spirit, when all of a sudden this starts making sense. I mean, if I would fast on a regular basis, additional time meditating on God's word and his promises, additional time seeking his face and making sure I'm, I'm aligned with him. Well, then all of a sudden I have courage. All of a sudden then I have guidance. All of a sudden, then I have confidence, like Paul and Barnabas did when they appointed leaders. I mean, it's, uh, one of the commentaries I read uh, studying this for this this week, it says that um, Jesus knew that all of his disciples would face problems where their faith would be tested. And their real problem would be a lack of faith and a failure to seek God's direction. And this was a stubborn demon that didn't want to let this boy go. And Jesus was able to do this because Jesus was in touch with his heavenly father. His faith was strong and he was in constant contact with him. What if that was your desire and mine? To be in constant contact with God, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want you more than the choicest of foods. And now we understand why David wrote that in the Psalms. I want you more than food. I want my soul to be fed. I want to be spiritually strong because I know I'm walking in step with you. And if I'm walking in step with you, Lord, nothing is impossible. Jehoshaphat was so sure of it, he put a choir out in front of the army. Man, I want that kind of faith. And Jesus says, well, how do you get that kind of faith? By prayer and fasting. Focusing on God more than ourselves. Creating time to be with Him. So we can align with His will and not our own. Now the last point there is fasting is more doable than we think. I just listed a couple of things so you'd understand what we're talking about here. What do we talk about with fasting? Common types of fasting? Well, a couple of them real quickly. An absolute fast is what Esther did, where you abstain from food and water, don't eat or drink anything for a period of time. Three days would be the outer limit, probably, for most people without being serious trouble. Okay? A water fast is abstaining from all food and juices. You're just drinking water. A partial fast is abstaining from certain foods. Daniel did that. He abstained from 
certain foods like meats and desserts and other things. People do those kind of fasts. And then a juice fast is drinking only fruit and vegetable juices. People do this a lot. If they do like a 21-day fast or something like this, this is how they make it through. Then some common durations of fast. Some people fast one meal a week. They create that extra time. Every Friday at lunch, I'm going to fast. That's when I have my appointment with Jesus. And I drive to a place and I pray. And this is when I pray for my family. Or this is when I pray for our finances. Or this is when I pray for protection. Whatever it's going to be. Some people fast one day a week. Some people fast three days. They'll go on a three-day fast. Some people go on a week-long fast. And again, you have to schedule those. Some have a three-week fast. A lot of churches do this organized. I hope that we'll be able to do some of those in the future and organize them to help you with this. But then those usually involve like juice fasts and things like this. Point C is these, some common sense guidelines. Start with short fasts and build up the longer ones. This is a discipline. Fast only if your health allows it. See a doctor if you're unsure. Most doctors would say, yeah, you could miss a meal once a week. won't hurt you. Okay? We're good. Yeah, you're, you're clear. Okay? Uh, adjust our exercise and strenuous activity accordingly. Bad idea to run a marathon in the middle of a 21-day fast. You need to schedule these. And then fast with a friend or group so you can encourage each other. And these are common sense things. But the reason I present all this today is because I want us to realize that there are people in the Bible who've experienced more of God's presence. They've experienced spiritual breakthroughs. And what they did was they said, I'm going to take God seriously. I'm going to seek his face. Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. And he loves it when we seek him with all our hearts. Not for show. You do this publicly, you lose any blessing. Not because it earns, it's the magic word or the magic way to get whatever you want. You can't manipulate God. That's impossible. But it's carving out time to seek God's face and denying our physical appetites so we can follow his leadings. If you have a need on your heart today, I want us to pray about that right now. I want us to pray, and I want you to ask God today whether he'd be asking you to set aside some time just with him to pray about that some more. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just thank you that your Bible has so many interesting stories, amazing stories of people fasting and praying and growing in their faith. People fasting and praying, earnestly seeking you. Some for repentance. Some for guidance. Some for protection. Some for appointing leaders. Lord, because you want to be involved in every part of our lives and guide every part of our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for be more that we're so much, so often lovers of our stomach and we'll do anything to make sure we have enough to eat, but we don't carve out time to be with you. there's a pressing need on your heart today for guidance or protection or repentance or whatever, would you just lay it before the Lord right now and say, God, you know what I need today. This is the biggest issue on my heart. Please help me. And Heavenly Father, would you show me a time when I can fast and pray about this? Even if it's just one meal, would you show me a time this next week when I put that on the calendar, just spend a whole hour in prayer with you? 
This is so important to me. And Lord, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want you to guide me because I don't know what to do. I want you to protect me because I'm scared. I want you to give me courage because I can't do this in my own strength. I want you. I want you. More than food. Not my will, Lord. Your will. That's what I want in my life. Because I love you, Jesus, and I trust you more than I trust myself. I love you. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.